0: There are things in this world, and apart from it, that man was not meant to know, unseen blasphemies that stalk between the shadows of our waking world, and nameless, untold horrors that inhabit our dreams as we close our eyes each night. There are those who seek out these terrible mysteries, and their curiosity has been rewarded without exception, with madness and death, and for the least fortunate, the unassailable knowledge that humanity's place in the universe is as that of an insect to the common man. We now present a story of one of these unfortunates. Welcome to Tales from the Black Vault.
1: My name is Walter Caldicott, and my life up until that day had been one of charity, philanthropy, and humanitarianism. But I fear that like many who walk the path of selflessness, I lost my way. My family fortune was dedicated to the ministry to the poor. We owned or operated several orphanages, insane asylums, and poorhouses. We employed nurses, doctors... Caregivers, social workers, and various assorted orderlies to care for society's less fortunate, the unwashed, wretched masses that teem inside our urban slums. I took to my calling with great aplomb, knowing that it was the Lord's work that I was doing. And it was on that fateful day, as I made my rounds to see that everything was in order, in one of my family's poorhouses, that I first met... A man known only to me as William.
2: Uh, Hello, sir.
1: Good day, William. I understand that you're being treated
2: well? Uh, Very well, sir. Very well. Thank you very much.
1: The food is to your liking? The beds changed every week? Adequate. Completely adequate, sir. Good. Good. Rest assured, young man, you are in good hands here, and you will be back to productivity and society before long.
2: Uh, I, I don't know about that, sir. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's just much too, much too, uh, I, I cannot say.
1: William, William, rest assured, God has a plan for you. And you will return to society's graces. There is nothing in your character that precludes you from being a member of our community.
2: No, no, sir. Absolutely not, sir. It's it's, it's not me. It's not me at all, sir. <laughs> not me, And I
1: would have continued on to the next room and the next poor wretched soul as I did so many times every day, were it not for something that William said to me as I turned to leave.
2: It's following you too, you know. Excuse me? (laughs) I wasn't supposed to say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just please, please go on. Please, please leave now. I turned and left
1: as I had heard, of course, many seemingly incomprehensible ravings from many of the lost souls to which I ministered. But William did not seem like the others. He did not have the mane of a madman. His eyes were clear and conscious, lucid and bright, not the dull and scattered appearance of the raving lunatic. Mr. Caldecott,
3: I have examined William, and... He does seem to be uh, very intelligent, uh, very self-possessed. I have interviewed him, and he is not like other schizophrenics I have known. Uh, There's something unusual about his particular brand of madness.
1: I see, but in your opinion, Doctor, he is certifiably insane.
3: (sighs) I must admit I am reluctant to make that assessment,
1: for he, uh,
3: he seems so normal. He seems like such a fine young man i it pains me i've 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 dealt with many schizophrenics over the years i have known many men and women who have heard voices
4: <sighs> dr barrington i would presume not to step on your toes of course uh, professionally speaking but as a woman of some spiritual bent i would put forth that our william suffers from a malady not of the psyche but of the soul.
3: Oh, Sister Clarice, please. I- I'm a man of science. He is
1: either has a chemical imbalance or he does not. Now, now, Dr. Barrington. I would hear what Sister Clarice has to say. Fine. You believe that his malady is not psychological in nature.
4: It may... How to say this? It may gnaw at the edges of his sanity. But I feel that what is wrong with William is something that, that inhabits him. We have had incredibly lucid discussions, and I have entreated him to please pray with me for the protection of his soul. And at the mention of such a thing, it is as though someone else looks at me through his eyes, as though a demon is peering through a window at me.
1: Sister Clarice's words struck me to my core, for although I paid lip service with every speech I gave to the inmates at the poorhouse, I was not myself a godly man. That was my father and my grandfather's domain. I resolved to return to William's room that night after rounds, and I inquired what he had meant by his strange utterance that day.
2: No, 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 you you mustn't, you mustn't be here. You mustn't, both of us together like this. is No, listen,
1: man, you said it's following you. What is it?
2: You, you, You think I know? it probes. It's, it's trying to find a way here through, through cracks. Cracks has found in, in those of us that... God help me, I, I am open to it. Cracks as in a wall? A wall, perhaps. Per, a metaphor of a wall, perhaps. But uh, the glory of it, the, the, the madness, the... Uh, I feel such desire, sir. So I was not raised this way, I, I swear. I'm a goodly man. But I... I'm not a godly man, as as I know you're not, and and I can feel it coming through me. It has found me, and it has found you. It will come. There's no stopping it. There's no stopping it.
1: He knew I was not a godly man, despite the appearance that I put on for all of my compatriots. He knew that deep inside my soul there is a black abyss where other men have faith. I resigned to take William away from this place. I signed him out the following morning on my own authority and drove him to our family home. Here, William, this is our family estate, poorhouse. I hope, I trust that these environs will be more amenable to your... I want to know more about what you see, and I hope that this environment, far from the prying eyes of doctors, nurses, priests, and nuns, will help loosen your tongue a little bit about what it is you're experiencing.
2: This place is perfectly adequate, sir. Perfectly adequate.
5: Walter, we've had conversations about bringing your friends home for dinner.
1: Father, you know how I feel about the idea of recovery. You know that not everyone can be reached en masse in poor houses and asylums. Some lost souls need a personal touch. I believe that William is special. He has some knowledge of his own condition, and I believe that if we give him love and caring, take him in and accept him as one of our own, we can correct the calamitous course upon which his life careens.
5: You remember when my father experimented and brought Ryan Baggin home, and how that lasted and almost destroyed our family our fortune, and our future.
1: William is not Ryan Baggin. His eyes are clear, his mind is lucid, he is merely haunted by some memory, some force from within his own brain, and I believe if we can root out the cause of his discomfort, we can set him back on a path to happiness, productivity, and light. Son,
5: don't let what afflicts him find its way into you.
1: Or this house. I discounted my father's words. He was a superstitious man. A man beholden to ancient texts and superstitious rites. He was a godly man, and I preferred the ministrations of science.
4: Uh, Excuse me, Master Caldicott. Something is happening with William upstairs. I brought him a bowl full of water, but it's not working. There's something dreadful happening. You must go to him quickly.
1: We ran to William's room, and found him writhing on the floor, his body covered in a thick, cold sweat. It
2: uh, 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 comes! Uh, I can't, can't stop it! It comes! It comes! Can you feel it? Mr. Colicott, the glory and the power! Oh. Oh.
1: It must have been the acoustics in the room or of some echo of William's own screams and moans but I could swear that I did, in fact, hear something. Some cacophonous moaning, some... some Stygian noise from the abyss. But, of course, that could not be. This is... this is a place of science, and not the superstitious babblings of old wives. The man was mad. I saw that now. I had made a dreadful mistake taking him away from the poorhouse where he could be ministered to by doctors.
2: It wants you, Mr. Collins- what is it? What wants me? I am not strong enough with you!
1: Restrain him. Put him in restraints.
4: Right away, Master Coldacott. I will do what I can. We'll
1: have to take him to the madhouse in the morning. I, Father, I'm sorry. You're, you were right. There's nothing we can do for this poor soul here.
5: I'm not sure we can wait till the morning. There is a presence here, I feel. As if told and foretold from when Ryan entered the house when I was but a boy. Do not forget the truth that is
1: told. You and your babblings... Father, you know that we don't see eye to eye on the existence of the supernatural. I know this, son. It
5: does not mean you are correct, that we do not agree. What would you have me do? Take him now. Even in the darkness, even in the night. take him from our family home. Where
1: would I take
5: him? Take him to the Arkham Asylum. Take him now.
1: And so I did. I took him to the asylum on the outskirts of Arkham, our family's oldest and most well-respected holding, a place where we send only the most violent and self-destructive of lunatics.
4: Here's your key, Mr. Koljakaj.
1: The place had a miasma about it, which weighed upon the very souls of everyone who worked there. Every doctor, nurse, and orderly had a pall about them, A sickly, greenish pall of those who neither sleep nor eat. Those who are simply shambling about their existence, trying desperately to soothe the troubled minds of lunatics, maniacs, and fiends, whose very minds have been worn away themselves by the insane. William, I'm sorry I failed you. I I thought that I could minister to you, but now I must deliver you
2: into the hands of this place, worry not for me sir you have not failed me you have you have freed me worry for yourself for it has found you now and it will leave me be
1: indeed his eyes did look clear his face bright his color now rosy he seemed no different than any other man as i took my leave of him i thought back on the wretched soul that i had found in agony upon the floor he seemed nothing like that anymore That night, as I lay in my bed at my father's home, I could swear that I heard noises in the walls. Who's there? Who is there? I. No. No, you're not real. You're not real. You're 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 just figments of my mind. You're just hallucinations, illusions.
0: Mr. Caldecott.
4: Walter. Silence! Silence! Damn you! Walter Caldecott.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, yes, please uh, continue with your report, uh, Sister Clarice. I, I, I was just uh, nodding off for a moment. Walter. You were saying something about the uh, uh, lack of cotton balls. Uh, yes, of course, we'll order more. I, I'm very sorry. Walter.
3: There is something in your eyes.
1: Huh? Oh, uh, it's. I didn't sleep much last night. It was uh, merely uh, a bit of insomnia. Uh, Anyway, uh, if... Be
4: still, Walter.
1: Sorry.
3: Walter, I'd like for you to come by my office for
1: an examination and an interview soon. Oh, I don't think that'll be necessary, Dr. Barrington. Uh, Mm. Instead, uh, I I do have a matter that I wish to uh, tell the board. Our family's fortune uh, has been spread very thin by all of our holdings, and I feel, now that I am the trustee of our family's fortune... I feel that we would do better if we closed certain of our facilities and spread the inmates around through the remaining institutions. Walter. I know, Sister Clarice. I know that...
4: Let me have your hand. My, my hand? Take this rosary.
1: Uh, Sister Clarice, I don't think that will be necessary. Walter. Sister Clarice, please. Your, uh, Walter. Sister Clarice, let go of my hand. I
4: don't want to hurt you, but I will if I have to.
1: She put the rosary in my hand and I felt a warmth there. Obviously, just the transferred warmth from her own body, but it did feel as though it glowed somehow, like a burning ember. Thank you for your pain, sister, but this means nothing to me. This institution will be closed on Friday. Please see to it that the patients are transferred to another facility... By Thursday afternoon, you all have your notice. Good day. And so it went. I visited facility after facility, closing the doors on each one. I spoke not a word to my father of the actions I was undertaking. I had no sympathy left in me for the tortured souls who were entrusted to my family's care. But,
4: Mr. Caldecott, what shall I tell them? When they have to leave. Tell
1: them that the world is a cruel place. Tell them that the world is a place where dog eats dog. And if they can't survive there, then they simply can't survive. We are done coddling these wretched souls. We are done giving them bread and soup that could be used for more productive members of society. (laughs)
5: Yes, (laughs) yes, Now you move in the right direction. My son, what does this telegram mean? All of our holdings? All of our poorhouses? All of the asylums? Everywhere we have reached out, you have shuddered.
1: Yes, Father. If we want to have any money left for future generations of Caldecotts, then certain cuts must be made. You've seen the books. You know that the vast majority of our fortune is being frittered away on people who will never appreciate it.
5: Walter, the doctor is coming this afternoon. He wishes to speak to you, and me about your erratic behavior and the strange look you have in your eyes now. He's the one who telegrammed me.
1: Dr. Barrington arrived shortly after afternoon tea. (sighs) Well, Walter, it it pains me to say this, but uh,
3: upon observing your behavior of the past month, uh, you've changed drastically, and I cannot help but Diagnose you with uh, a mental illness.
1: Nonsense, Doctor. My eyes have been open, that's all. It was William that did it. A perfectly healthy, sane, able bodied man in the care of nurses, nuns, doctors. It's preposterous. The man was a slacker, a layabout. Walter,
3: I've seen you walking the halls and speaking to people who are not there.
5: Walter, the lawyers have
3: written up and
5: drafted all the papers necessary. The doctor is merely here to follow my signature.
3: You're being declared incompetent, Walter.
5: I will visit you at Arkham.
1: No. No, Father, not that place. No.
4: Mr. Coldacott, it is time for your daily pills. You are to take five pills regularly. Once at noon, another time at 3 p.m. on the dot, sir, and you must eat it with a proper meal. No, I
1: don't belong here. Listen to me, nurse. Tell them i Don't you know who I am?
4: Don't you know who my family is? The more you talk and scream, sir, the more you will stress yourself. Take a deep breath. Deep breath, Mr. Caldecott. It is time for your pills. Open. Welcome,
2: Welcome back, Mr. Coltercott. It's good, good to see, to see you, see you again. again.
5: Thank you, Doctor. Thank you for my son. Just, Just let, let it pass through,
2: Mr. Coltercott. Uh,
1: poor Walter. At least he has a place to go. Thank you, William, for your friendship. It's comforting to see your face. I'm glad that even though they treat me in most respects like a normal inmate of this horrid madhouse, they've allowed me to have you for a companion, even though normally only one man is allowed into a room at a time.
2: Just let it pass through you. You are a conduit now. Just do its bidding. Don't ask questions.
1: I have. I, I've done its uh, bidding. What more does it want from me? What more could it possibly demand?
5: Doctor, have you told him that William died? I, I hear him speaking about him often.
1: Tell me, William. Tell me. What does it want? What do they want? See how you
2: cling, cling so to tenaciously to your, sanity, to, to your sanity, to to your very life. Just let go, go, go Mr. Colcott. Let go. He speaks to many who aren't present. Uh, it's just
3: a symptom of uh, his unfortunate disease.
4: It is 3 p.m., Mr. Caldicott. It is time for your pills. Yes, my
1: pills. Of course,
4: my pills. Uh, please, yes.
1: But the pills, they do nothing. They've, they've never done anything.
4: Take a deep breath, Mr. Have Caldicott. You are All stressing I have is his voice.
1: Out. And the voices from beyond, the voices emanating through the cracks. Wait! Join us. There's one more thing that I have.
2: Join us. One more thing
1: I have left. I, have, I still have the rosary that Sister Clarice gave me. Of course, the rosary that shall be my deliverance. I was never a godly man, but now I see and I hear there are forces. Put down the rosary, Mr. Cullen. There are voices. There are minds beyond our mind. There are minds beyond our world. It hurts. And this rosary, this rosary is the key to them. It hurts us. And so, I take the rosary. I put it over my head, and I clutch clutch it tightly yes and i twist i twist i can i can feel the world going black now i can feel i can feel the voices diminishing soon my deliverance will come soon i will be
4: free the time is 4:44 p.m. Walter Caldecott is gone, Doctor.
3: Such a sad story. I'll inform his father.
0: Thank you for listening to Tales from the Black Vault. We release a new story every two weeks, which you can find at our website, blackvault.austinimprov.com. This week's story was Finder's Keepers, narrated by Brad Hawkins, and featuring the cast. Of tales from the Black Vault, featuring original music by Nathaniel Rendon and Matt Reed for Scotch Encoder Productions. This episode was tracked, edited, and mixed by Lindsay McGowan. Scoring consulting by Michael Yu, and effects consulting by Cindy Page. Tales from the Black Vault is produced by Peter Rogers and Lindsay McGowan for Terrible Old Productions. The Black Vault was originally directed by Mark Major at the Hideout Theater in Austin, Texas. Until next time, the vault will be waiting for you.